We're looking at the traces that dinosaurs have left in the fossil record today. Footprints, eggs, and the jumbled bones that we find all over the planet. Can puzzling questions about these things be answered from a look at the history found in the Bible? We'll find out more on Wonders Without Number. And now let's meet my guest. Michael Lord earned his Master's in Atmospheric Science from the University of Washington. Now he's been a research meteorologist and his work has been published in scientific journals including the American Meteorological Society. Now for 30 years Michael worked with the National Weather Service and since his time there he's been engaged in full-time research, writing and speaking regarding earth sciences from a biblical perspective. He's the author of multiple books and a member of the Board of Directors of the Creation Research Society. Welcome to the program, Michael. Well, thank you, David. It is great to have you here. Now, tell me just a little bit about how you got interested in what you're doing currently. Well, um, about 45 years ago, I read uh, the Genesis Flood. Ah. And it made a lot of sense. And I read more books. Well, there wasn't a lot during there. And then I started to do some speaking. And then I started to work on the Ice Age. And... <laughs> It kind of snowballed. Now I do research <laughs> on the Ice Age and the Flood. Uh, which, again, you published a number of books. One yeah. that we want to particularly highlight today, and mm -hmm. we want to look at some of the challenges and mysteries of things associated with dinosaurs, including the trackways. The tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, many times we find these trackways, which, which might be 50, 60 tracks in a mm -hmm. row, mm -hmm. leading down a particular direction, right? Yes. It's preserved in stone. How yes. do you preserve those things? What about nests and eggs? Eggs so perfectly preserved that you can see them still sitting in the nest. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are things that we really want to tackle today. Uh, spell out the problem for us. Well, the eggs, tracks, and bone beds, which we have evidence that were scavenged, so they sat around for a while. Yeah. Uh, they're challenges for us, but the secular scientists, uh, have challenges too, even though they make it think that they have very few. Just uh, so, and some of their challenges is the origin of dinosaurs. Where, what animal did a dinosaur come from? Well, various candidates are paraded forth over the years, and they find something wrong with it, and they find another one. Hmm. Also, lately, they've been finding dinosaurs and footprints at polar regions. So. How did they live in polar regions? Uh, how can they handle the cold? Also, they find them in what they believe are desert sandstones, which brings up the whole problem. What are they gonna eat in a desert? Huh. And then another thing is we've recently been finding that, that uh, there's soft tissue in dinosaurs. Uh, they supposedly died out 65 million years ago, and now we're finding uh, soft tissue. It can stretch and it goes back. Uh, we find uh, uh, protein molecules. Um, we find bone cells, we find uh, blood vessels with red blood cells in them still. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not gonna last thousands, uh, too long, probably thousands of years at the most, not 65 or more million years ago. So this is a powerful evidence. Secular scientists have been doing it, but the iDino Project for the Creation Research Society is doing it also. Our and friends then, at the CRS actually produced a documentary. I hosted, I, I yes. believe you were involved in this project yes, very mm -hmm. heavily. Uh, it's called Echoes of the Jurassic. Re yes. Mm -hmm. A documentary looking in depth at this soft, stretchy material in dinosaur bones. We're not talking about just random 
uh, singular cases. We're talking about over 60 secular scientific reports so far, published reports of soft tissue and dinosaur bones. And then in addition to the secular atheistic worldview of dinosaurs that went extinct 66 plus millions mm -hmm. years ago, creation scientists, colleagues, are now finding this soft tissue in their own samples yes. and they're able to document it even further. So this yes. is not, this is a major breakthrough, isn't it? Oh yeah, yes. And the fifth challenge for them is how'd they go extinct? Mm -hmm. They're well adapted, global, lived in polar regions even, and they suddenly went extinct. Um, how? They don't really know. That's why there's over a hundred theories on the extinction of the dinosaurs. Okay, so from a secular perspective, if you were to look at the Natural History Museum, uh, they would say, where did dinosaurs come from? It's a subject that's been a question for a long time now. We don't exactly know. Yes. When you look at uh, the challenges when it comes to polar dinosaurs, we're looking at a map here, and everywhere you see the little dinosaur diagram, that's where we find dinosaur bones, right? Exactly, and you see dinosaur tracks. They don't show up too well like Spitzbergen. Oh, uh, I see that. Yeah, okay, okay. And there's a f since I uh, did that one, um, there's been several more. But yes, they're found widely in higher latitudes of the northern hemisphere as well as in the southern hemisphere too. Siberia, Greenland, all of these cold, yeah. cold areas. Okay. Yeah, and then they find them on Antarctica. Wow. Okay. And then they believe by plate tectonics, Southeast Australia was in the Arctic Circle as well as New Zealand. And that little Chatham Island uh, <laughs> off New Zealand there, they find dinosaur bones. So they believe all that was in the Arctic Circle. So they have the problem of polar dinosaurs now. So that's kind of a paradigm change in a way. And a number of people have been perplexed. So here's one great quote. Should we now imagine dinosaurs as thermally insulated, warm-blooded animals that <laughs> plowed through snowdrifts and scraped the ice off the ground to find food? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is a major mystery. Yes. We also find them in very in more arid regions, desert regions. Yes, deserts, especially their tracks, okay. and they're they're the mostly the carnivorous three-toed dinosaur tracks. So they, they need a lot of food to eat. So what are they gonna find in the desert to eat? Mm -hmm. Maybe those sandstones aren't desert sands in the first place. Ah, we're thinking that they might have biblical implications. Yes, there. right. All right. Uh -huh. uh, in fact, one of the quotes here says that the tracks occur at the top of the Middle Jurassic in Trotta Formation. The main body of this formation represents an ancient sand sea of the type associated with the Sahara Desert today. Yeah. And they're immediately thinking Aeolian, you know, wind right. sands, mm -hmm. but you find sand underwater too, don't you? Oh yeah, and you can find big sand waves and huge cross beds underwater now, that, that's new discoveries. Uh, again, we did talk about the soft tissue problem. Yep. Uh, the co-discoverer, uh, Mary Schweitzer, Dr. Yes. Mary Schweitzer, her colleague, Dr. Jack Horner, uh, and they're talking saying traditionally, there was little hope that biomolecules might be recovered from bone more than a few thousand years. Yeah, that's what they said at one time. <laughs> and we found soft material in mm -hmm. dinosaur bones, collagen, uh, osteocytes, protein, uh, and now even possibly DNA in certain uh, certain specimens. It's debated, Yeah. but we're talking about only a few thousand years old. How did yeah. that exist 66 plus million years old? Yeah, it shows that those millions of years don't exist. And then the last question, again, you mentioned, how did they go extinct? 
Yeah. Uh, this is a quote uh, from... Glenn Jepson. Yep. Which says, by far the most baffling major question about dinosaurs, what caused their extinction? Yeah. Of course, there's many ideas. Yeah, many, but none many that really answer except, um, we believe, a biblical uh, Exactly, history. yes. And here's just a few of them that are rather entertaining. Okay. Uh, what, what are we looking at here? Well, this is the one, uh, a little cartoon about digestion. What that involves is the, the, the plants evolved a different direction and, and, and they ate the plants and they couldn't digest it. And so that's what happened to them. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is legitimately one of the possible secular yes, theories. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What else do we have? Well, the diet of air pollution. Of course, this includes either too much CO2, too little, too much oxygen, too little, just too much smoke from burn fire. I mean, there's lots of possibilities that they include under air pollution. Okay, here. but air pollution wouldn't preserve them in such remarkably well states, would Right, it? they would die and then yeah. they'd just lie on the ground and rot and disappear. What else, what's some of the other theories? The, the, the constipation theory. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, this one, everyone's That's their popular one right yeah. now, the asteroid impact theory, okay. um, which was considered a long shot before 1980. Mm -hmm. Now it's considered their main theory and uh, they died of a meteorite extinction, but there's lots of problems with that idea, even among secular scientists. Okay. All right, so it, there are a lot of unanswered questions when it yep. comes to dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Especially from a secular perspective. Yes. Now, when we look at dinosaurs yes. and we read the biblical account, what questions do we have to answer? Well, did they live with man? Okay. First of all, okay. and were they on the ark? Mm -hmm. Did they live after the flood? Okay. And the most challenging data is how do you explain dinosaur tracks, eggs, and scavenged bone beds mm -hmm. early in the flood? Okay. The image of many people is that the early flood was chaotic everywhere all at once. Yeah. That picture is far from, from true and that it can be explained by other processes that are going on early in the flood besides the chaos and the fast currents and turbulence, which you did have in a lot of areas. Okay. All right. Let's briefly tackle these. Did dinosaurs live with man according to the scripture? Yeah, because uh, they were a part of the beasts of the earth and they were created on day six with man. So they had to live with man before the flood. And did they breathe air and live on land? Yes, they did, which means they were candidates to end up on the ark. But you don't okay. have to bring the big ones on the ark. You can bring uh, small ones. And there's only about 50 types of dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. They just multiply names of dinosaurs li like crazy. Okay. And, but you can boil them all down to about 50 types of dinosaurs. Multiply by two for a male and female. You've got 100 dinosaurs you have to put in the ark. They easily fit. Mm -hmm. Did they uh, end up post-flood? Yes, they did. And we have lots of evidence for that and dragon legends all over the earth. So dinosaurs did get on the ark. They did yes. get off the ark. Yes. And they they survived for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially in the, the warmer areas. In some areas, yeah, but some then areas. when extinct. When extinct, man probably hunted them partly to extinction. Okay. Probably that's why you have this legend of St. George and the Dragon Slayer and mm -hmm. uh, things of this sort. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries' Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. 
Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. All right, let's tackle the biggest question. Biggest challenge. How do you explain tracks, eggs, and scavenged bone beds mm-hmm. early in the flood? These are, these are live animals. And so how do we account for them? Well, I, I didn't know at the start. And so um, I looked into it. Here's a, here's a typical challenge by uh, Glenn Morton, who used to be a creationist, but is now an anti-creationist. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he quotes this from his website, features like these termite nests, dinosaur eggs, cicada burrows, and channels are not easily explained by the young earth creationists. They don't show their followers this type of data, and they do and they have not explained it. We do show this data, we're not afraid of the data. In fact, I had uh, this theory out well before he he made this quote. Uh, I had a rudimentary idea that uh, I'm gonna present to you uh, since the early 1990s. So it wasn't hidden from anybody and and it was out there. He just didn't know all the creationist literature. This was considered a major challenge that we could not answer. Okay. So I decided, well, let's look at the data first. And when you look at the data, uh, you find out a number of anomalous features. Okay. See, when I look at a a challenge, I first of all find out that it's actually anomalous to the secular scientists also. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you won't know that because they kind of bluff their way through it, add another hypothesis that they think explains it, Mm -hmm. this sort of thing. You got to look at the raw data and get rid of all the interpretations. Okay, Uh, this one is from uh, Wyoming? Yeah, Northeast Wyoming. This is part of a a trackway. It's a theropod, three-toed dinosaur. Uh, Five of them, and this is from a coal mine, uh, top of a coal mine in um, Utah. Okay. A big, uh, huge uh, duck-billed dinosaur track. Wow, they're found all over the world. Yeah, they're now found all over the world. Before they couldn't it's interesting, they couldn't find a dinosaur track uh-huh. until someone started finding them and then they find them all over. It's kind of a out of sight, out of mind type <laughs> thing. And now this is, this is an old plot yeah, from the late 1990s. There's a lot more tracks We're talking about that. over 1,500 different locations around the world that have dinosaur trackways. That's a lot of dinosaurs yeah, and a lot of dinosaur tracks. Millions of tracks now, millions. Same thing with eggs. Yeah, eggs. Okay. Uh, And sometimes the eggs are very well preserved, and not only that, we're also finding them in many locations. Yes, many locations. Now there's millions of eggs, and some of them, they find them in certain areas you see on this. This this is a plot. This is old, too, Mm -hmm. but it gives you an idea that they're found uh, globally. Okay. What are we looking at here? Also, we find a lot of bone beds, and this is a part of a dinosaur. This is a dinosaur bone found 
um, in northwest Montana, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, you see teeth marks on the bones of a carnivorous dinosaur. Huh. You find teeth marks, here's more teeth marks from the Museum of the Rockies display. Okay. And you find the, the shed teeth. See, when a dinosaur eats, uh, 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 scavenges a bone bed, it hits the bones and knocks teeth off. So you find the teeth broken off in the bone bed, but not the di dinosaur. That way, you know it. He didn't die with them. He was he was he scavenging them after. And then he went somewhere else and yeah. later died somewhere yeah. else. Okay. Exactly. This all is live dinosaur activity. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out when did it occur? Uh, um, was it before the flood? Early the flood? Late in the flood? After the flood? Well, obviously. Uh, by day 150, they all had to be dead. Mm -hmm. And you find them on top of thousands of feet of flood strata already. And that means that they're probably early flood. And then there's evidence around there that you've eroded a couple thousand or more, 10,000 feet or more in some areas on top to get down to the dinosaur levels. Okay. This puts it smack dab in the early part of the flood, which many people get the image that it's very chaotic, turbulent everywhere. Well, it was in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. Here's just a block diagram that um, at, at uh, day 150, it deposited all the sedimentary rocks, which average 1,800 feet now, 1,800 meters on the continent, but more. And this is eroded off in the retreating stage of the flood, okay. which some people have named the erodozoic to kind of uh, to copy you. the secular terminology. <laughs> but basically, the current day ground level is not the very top of level the of the flood. flood at the peak. It was eroded. a lot of erosion took place in and the retreating state. We find them at the surface, so the early floods, we have to explain them early in the flood. Okay. All right. Let's look at the features that we see. Well, we see a, a number of unusual features. They find huge dinosaur graveyards, over mm -hmm. 10,000 individuals in some places, sometimes all in a jumble. Mm -hmm. Commonly described as being uh, buried in a flood. I mean, look at all the little yeah, bones This is a Colifus uh, graveyard in New Mexico, over a thousand small dinosaurs about the size of Velociraptor, hmm. all jumbled up. And then some places you see the bones just pulverized. Those white areas are just are pulverized bones in the sediments wow. uh, from northeast uh, Wyoming. Uh, some people have described them as being piled in like logs in a jam. Yeah, right. Uh, Sounds pretty catastrophic. <laughs> it does. And there was, this was no ordinary spring flood from one of the streams in the area, but a catastrophic inundation. This is how they describe the bone beds. Wow. Many of the animals were killed quickly in a catastrophic event. Yes. It had to have over been and over. to jumble them like that. Yes. And then when you look at the tracks, mm -hmm. poor swimming. Uh, but uh, dinosaurs expect to be poor swimmers like Ankylosaurus or yeah. Triceratops. You don't find, their tracks are rare. You find a lot of duckbill dinosaurs and a lot of t uh, uh, carnivorous theropods. Mm -hmm. And you'd expect them to be good swimmers with that heavy bottom. Okay. Well, practically all the tracks are of adults or older juveniles. Hmm. Well, when you have a catastrophe in, in like Africa, you find a lot of small elephant and uh, adult elephants together tracks. And so, but you don't find these, they're rare, which means, well, maybe the, the small ones couldn't escape the encroaching floodwaters, oh, wow. but only the big ones were able to escape for a while. Uh huh. And then here's one key thing. 
is that the, these tracks are practically all straight or gently curved. Okay. And that's, and they're always on a flat, one flat bedding plane. They don't climb hills, there's no hills or something in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, when an animal's spooked, it'll tend to run away in a straight line. But when it's feeding or normal, it just goes all over all the place. Over. So this indicates this is an unusual event. Uh, okay, so they're, it seems like they're almost running away from something. Yeah, something. Okay, that's a clue. And here's a straight dinosaur tracks in northeast Wyoming. Wow. There's several trackways on, the, on this limestone layer right here. Mm -hmm. And here's a plot of them. Okay. They're near Shell, Wyoming, in, in the northeast Bighorn Basin. Wow. And um, eggs, few nest, real nest structures. Mm -hmm. And you know, these are very porous eggs and they would dry out late on a bedding plane. You practically always find them on a flat bedding plane, little or no vegetation associated hmm. with them. And with porous eggs, they dry out. So this is, this is, they laid them quick and left. And then left. Yeah, it's an unusual event. And here's one of the few nest structures on what's called Egg Mountain in, in Montana. Mm -hmm. The mountain's only 50 feet tall. I mean, that's hmm. not much of a mountain. <laughs> much of a mountain. Plaster jacketed the clutch uh -huh. of eggs and huh. took them out. I we think we believe we can explain it by what's called the beds hypothesis, briefly exposed alluvial sediments. You lay down a lot of sediments and expose them. Mm -hmm. And sea level oscillating and oscillate down, exposing the beds, sometimes over maybe 100 miles. Dinosaurs in the water, um, swimming or from higher land, embark onto these exposed sediments, flat bedding plains, making tracks, laying eggs, okay. and dying. And then the water comes up to preserve them. You have to preserve all this stuff rapidly or it'll be gone. Tracks are ephemeral. And, and the water is bearing sediments. Yeah, bearing sediments. It's muddy water. It covers them all up. And then you can have it happen again, drop again, and they can do it and make tracks, lay eggs, eat dead dinosaurs in the same location in the regions to account for multiple levels in a, in a region. And then they die. Then they're in a Yeah, they eventually die off. So we're talking about things like uh, big tsunami-like waves washing in yes, material. lots of possibilities. And then it might retreat for just a little bit, enough yeah. for other dinosaurs that have, and they come in and they scavenge the right. dinosaurs that have just been buried up, mm -hmm. and then they themselves get inundated with another wave. That's right, there's at least five mechanisms that cause the top of the floodwaters to go up and down. Well, this is fascinating because it sure seems like all of the evidence is pointing to something that is consistent with the biblical global flood of Noah's day. And it seems like the seculars have a lot of unanswered questions, don't they? Oh, they do. Um, to explain all those unusual features associated with bone beds, tracks, and eggs, like porous eggs just laying out there. Yeah. So they have, they have problems explaining this unusual data, but we can account for it occurring rapidly in the beds model. And this would also explain why we would still see some soft material inside these dinosaurs. Yes, bodies. that would explain that. That's amazing. It seems like time and time and time again, all of the discoveries seem to be pointing us back to what the Bible said all along. Yes, isn't it wonderful? I want to thank you for your research, uh, for everything you've done for the scientific community, and for being here today. We're going to have to have you back on a future episode. You're welcome. Dinosaur fossils can be found worldwide, along with the remnants and clues that they left behind. 
I'm going to tell you, these clues point to a global catastrophe of biblical proportions. I'm talking about the global flood that we read about in the historical account found in the book of Genesis. The more we search the world, the more wonders that we find. God's amazing wonders, without number, point us directly back to Him. We hope that you've been encouraged and educated today, and we want to give you the tools that you need to boldly go forward and share what you've learned. So leave us questions and comments on our Facebook page, and maybe we'll be able to address them on a future program. I'm David Reeves. Until next time, keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God.